Here it is, just us, the Right Stricky Sanchez podcast, brought to you by the Paul Green Rock Academy, the official music school of the process, and Big Barker, therapeutic dog beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. On today's show, 47 straight minutes of us laughing about both Kyrie Irving and Al Horford choosing to leave the Celtics. And then right at the end, about two minutes of the big board. Um, without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is declining his $30 million option to explore free agency, Mike Levin. Wow. We're here. Yep. Here we are. We've arrived. Mm -hmm. Draft week. It came upon us very fast. And I guess that's Hmm. what happens when your team is good. Hmm. I mean, it wasn't that fast. We've been doing podcasts for like five weeks. Draft since. podcast? I mean, not draft podcast, but since the end of the season, right? When did the Sixer season end? Like a hundred years ago. I'm still, I'm used to see, I'm used to draft podcast for like six months still. It's weird right. to not have a big board by, you know, January 8th. Yeah. What do you think about our decision to hold off the big boards till the very end? I think it's good. I think it's good because I, I, there's some weird, you know, guys move up and down your big boards kind of based on nothing, just based on like digesting it, you know? And being like, oh, I like this guy more than I did three weeks ago or whatever. And like sort of the same deal with the Oscars for whatever reason. Movies released in November, December have a better chance of winning Oscars than movies released in March because there's like momentum. And it's like, well, why is there momentum? It's the same movie. It doesn't make a difference. But there's something about like how your brain works when you're like, well, I've thought about this guy for a a while and then I guess I'm, I'm cooled on him a little bit as I've digested it. So I'd rather just release one big board at the end after we've digested all the information rather than, you know, continuing to change it and then deleting those tweets about guys you liked in the past. How do you feel about the, the numerous uh, scouting and uh, internet and teams, internet uh, like sites and teams that adjust their big boards based on my YouTube exclusive big board, uh, who now have such little time to do that because we're releasing it so late in the process. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how they're going to react to it. Hmm, it is strange. Uh, so real quick, before we get going with the big boards, uh, your any thoughts about the um, two things? First of all, the first thing being Kyrie Irving obviously leaving Boston and Al Horford leaving Boston. And the second thing... There's some guy on the Lakers subreddit who apparently knows, gets everything right all the time and says that Al Horford is heading to the Sixers. Ha! No, I don't think that's, that's happening. Um, Horford, unless, I've, unless there's something in the last couple hours when I was at work, but Horford is, at least the plan is for him to negotiate a new deal with Boston still, right? No, you missed all of this. No, they're too far apart. He's going to look elsewhere. Wow. Per Woj. Yeah, per Woj. Hmm. Yeah. You do. I guess you do. Hate to see it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I really don't want Al Horford back on the Celtics because he's he may be the best player in the league, at least against us he is. Um, I would I think him on the Lakers would be fun. Would be like a weird, like supersized lineup with LeBron and AD. Um, but then they wouldn't have any guards, and maybe that makes them the Sixers. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying. They're trying to emulate the Sixers uh, because the Sixers did go the furthest with the Raptors this year. They decided that that is the way to go, uh, do exactly what the Sixers did. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely leaving. I've I've decided that I believe that the Sixers are only bringing back one of Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. As in, you just think that they are, or you think that they should? I think that's what they're going to do. Do you think that's what they want to do, or you think that's how it'll end up? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe it's what they want to do. I, 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 I just the, the the salary implications of of all this. I I think they're only going to do one. I think they're only going to do one. I think that's I think just both. an educated guess, but I think they're only going to do one. My but, educated guess would be that they want both and they get both. Hmm. Yeah. There you go. Look at us. Both educated. Both with different <laughs> answers. <laughs> much. Is, much if you like, say your guess is educated, then. You could really say anything, and that's yes, no, no one exactly. can call you on it. Yep. I believe, yeah, I believe they're going to sign Jimmy Butler and Mr. Peanut. Um, oh. but the Mr. Peanut that'd thing be, will be... That'd be tough for me as a guy with a peanut allergy and for Zaire to play alongside him. Right. Uh, all right. Before the big boards are Willie Green, Apple Podcast, five-star review. Mike, we're clearing... We're, we're getting close to 2,500, 2,498 on the way to 3,000. Please get us to 3,000. The subject line of this one is JJ podcast episode. Can you already hear, quote, once AD got traded, I instantly saw a fit with the Lakers. Sixers gave me a bunch of money, and why not take a pay cut to go play with a top three player of all time? Five stars. Reddick to the Lakers. You never know. That would be, uh, I mean, I can see why he would want that. They need somebody to be scoring, and he can do a lot of that. Do you think uh, he'd commute from Brooklyn there as I well? To, I think you'd have to, yeah. Yeah. I think you'd have to. One last thing. I do think the Celtics will be better this – I mean, not, maybe not without Horford. I haven't had time to digest that. But uh, Kyrie is, is bad. He can hit cool shots, but he's not good for a team. Um, and he's also an incredible dribbler. Like, he has obviously skills. But I, don't, I just mm-hmm. don't think he – those skills, like, present themselves to winning – like high level basketball games. Um, and so my take would be who knows where he's going to end up, but my take would be he never gets to a conference finals the rest of his career. Well, I know I've made this joke before, and I, this was actually the, the Kyrie Irving troll, the original Kyrie Irving troll, even though I moved it to Donovan Mitchell. But he does have like six man type skills, like put him out there for 20 minutes, watch him get a bunch of points, and then that's it. It's just that as the lead ball handler for a team, it just doesn't make much sense, I guess. So Yeah, I just I think know. he's we'll he's very exploitable and he is certainly capable of making crazy shots, but the amount of crazy shots he has to take for the cool ones to go in is just not conducive to winning at at a really high level. So I don't I Did think, you see the Rockets story? Yeah, I mean but then Chris Paul that that Chris Paul and James Harden aren't getting along, and it's yeah. What was the word that was used? Well, that uh, well, it was the the Yahoo one. To, yeah. No, that was the ESPN one. The Yahoo one is that he requested a trade, and right. James Harden said him or me, and like they, like 
they they fucking did little petty things to each other all year long um, because they hated each other so much. Weird. This yeah. this is why everybody hates Chris Paul. Sure, it's it's hard to these guys are very famous, very talented players, and it's just hard to get the personalities to work. And so the fact that Brett has lasted as long as he did and everybody seems to like him and, and things are going smoothly is just another like notch in the Brett Brown should be the coach as long as possible camp, even if you have issues with specific things, you know, because just keeping like a good working environment is 90% of it when you have those superstars, right? Yeah, can't imagine what the environment would be like here if one of the guys took 46 shots every night while everybody else watched. <laughs> it might be tougher yeah, then, sure. but yeah, you're right. I mean, he's had his own challenges for sure. Um, so big boards, I did my normal top 10. Um, it doesn't, even though the Sixers are, take, are picking at 24, my big board isn't usually at like too close to related to normal ones. So there's at least a bunch of guys, I think, in my top 10 that could be there at 24. Um, you, however, have decided to do a top 30. Which I do Which I do every year and post on Twitter. I don't know if I, I always I bring it up here. I don't think we've done it on the pod before. <laughs> I can run I, through I, it. But I think I've, I think you should... Okay, so let's say... Let's say yeah, so how do we do this? Well, I think there's... People might not have listened to this podcast since the draft. There are a couple people that reached out saying, like, I haven't... Or since the season ended. So, hello, welcome back. This is the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. The Sixers have five picks in the upcoming 2019 draft. They have 24, which is in the first round, and then four second rounders, 33, 34, 42, and 54. The odds of them making all those picks are small. There was talk today of them selling one. I don't think that will happen, probably. Maybe they trade one or two for future seconds, which I would also be totally fine with. Um or a, a package for a future for whatever. Um, I don't mind. I never mind kicking the can down the road, um, especially since the guys on the Sixers, Shake will be there, Zaire will be there, Jonah will be there. The guy will they get at twenty four. There's plenty of guys that there's going to be young guys on this team, uh, cost controlled guys, and Brett is not going to want a ton of them to be rookies. So odds of them, uh, you know, a, a stash could happen internationally or in the G League, whatever. So those, these are thoughts as they go into it. So odds of them making all five picks are, are very small. Um, I just want to get everybody's mind around that before we, before we fully dive in. Okay. That I, sounds fair. I think you should read your 10 okay. first, and then I will okay. tell you where they are in mine. Um, okay, and, and then talk, you can, can do talk, the rest. We can talk about yours individually, yeah. Right. Um, okay. And I, I've said this a couple times just because I, I think it is um, – a good compass for where this team is headed and what they want. I think that they are bringing all four guys back. And I, I guess JJ, I don't really have a read on it. I kind of just assume JJ is coming back also. So I would guess the entire starting line comes back. So they are looking for guys that can contribute older players. This is the Elton brand quote. We're looking for maybe older players, defensive minded players, players that place a premium on shooting and spacing. So that is the, what they're looking for. I think that is partially what they need. If there's a guy that they think is just the best guy, I think they should take it, but I don't know that that is uh, that is their primary. I think they're drafting for fit and uh, culture at this point. Do you agree? Uh, they've said it enough. I'll tell you that. It, it, they didn't even just say it one time. They, they've said it a bunch of times. So I guess I, I would hope they 
you know, drafting for um, culture, I mean, I you want the right guys mentally because it's more likely that they are going to fulfill their potential. So, you know, I, I think, um, and it's not even like, I don't know, it's not even like they have a, a long time structure here anyway, where bringing sort of like a, I don't know. I, it's a weird thing to say publicly, but I think he's probably not lying. Yeah. That's what I would say. I agree. You know? uh, okay. Um, I, I actually, it took me a while, but I did come up with um, a, a 10 that I feel good about. Okay. We're going 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm and good. I did ask if you've listened to our other draft pods with Kevin O'Connor and with Elon, and they're both good. You have time to listen to them, except for the one with Elon. You might have not have time because it's <laughs> yeah, pretty it's long. Yeah, three-day long podcast. It's a marathon. I, I, there, there were some, you know, things that I, guys that I asked about that obviously I was interested in, in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, um, so number 10, I have Admiral Schofield. Okay. So he, let me let me tell you let okay. me just give the background information first. All right. He is a a big bodied wing from Tennessee. He's a senior. Um, he's I think he's twenty three years old. Um, and other thing and, and his his name is Admiral and his last name is Schofield. Best one of the best named dra- guys in the draft. So go ahead. It sounds fake. Yeah. What do you What do you like about him? So, um, and, oh, let me get this out. Obviously, if, if there are a lot of people that joined us along for the ride during the season, the, the bit is that I don't watch any college basketball. I literally watched, I think, a game and a half this year. All of my scouting is done on YouTube. Um, normally, I take a day off of work to watch a lot of it, but I did it over time this time. Okay. So, and I watch so, a lot of college basketball and care right. deeply about this more than maybe the Sixers themselves. Maybe too much. Maybe too much. I live for second round picks and nothing else. So Admiral Schofield, you said he's big body. That is sort of putting it uh, lightly. Yes. He he is a a friggin' beast. Like size-wise, here's what what I was really impressed by. Normally, I don't get impressed by like big men on uh, on YouTube. Like my my top tens are usually dominated by wings and uh, and guards. But so the beginning, I'm watching this guy and it's like a lot of him muscling guys and a lot of like post stuff, some little hooks, um, some like little tiny turnaround jumpers. But then the guy from three is like, um, he's legit from three, sort of like Covington-y almost from three, the way he shoots it. And he's a, looks like he plays super hard. He's um, good on defense. And even though he's big and strong, he's not slow or anything. And I sort of get yet the the sense that he's a, in the right world, he's like a perfect four in the NBA because he looks like he can shoot, but he's also fucking strong. And if you left him in there as the only big guy, he wouldn't really have any problem at all. Yeah, he is. There's there's a little. Uh, the Ringer NBA draft guide has him at Shemi Ojale. I think he's a little sm- not as long as Shemi. His uh, Schofield's wingspan is is a shade under six ten. Um, so I don't know about him as a about covering fours, but he certainly got the girth for it. Um, I, I ideally I think he's like a two through four position positional defender. Um, he's a really good kid. Uh, 
people like really like him and and that that Tennessee team I have a bunch of guys from Tennessee ranked because they they had one they had like the third best offense according to Ken Palm in the in in the nation um he's he's really good and and a and a high high IQ high intangibles intangibles type kid um and the the thing that I worry about a little bit is he shoots well from three. Um, he shot forty one point eight percent from three last year, but his numbers from the line are not as great on on actually less attempts from the line than he than he took from three. Um, I think seventy was it seventy two percent from the se- line. Just a shade <laughs> under seventy from the line. But um, okay. and and his and his defensive like in terms of uh, deflections and and getting his hands on the ball is not great. But I think he's as a one on one defender and as a decent team defender without you know much. Uh, actionable uh, moments, uh, event moments, then I think he's still a, a solid defender. But if you believe in the body, you believe in the shot, uh, then I think, I, you know, 10 is, uh, this is your board. So it's, right. these are just 10 guys that you like. You, don't, you wouldn't, like, list them at, you know, this isn't based on any sort of, like, value reality. This is just 10 guys that you like in order. Uh, I guess, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, Look, uh, Schofield is, Am- is, is, Simon scored 39 points in a game this year, <laughs> great, Mike. Great. Okay. Was he number two this on your board last year? Uh, if, he wasn't two, but he was pretty high. <laughs> pretty <laughs> he, it was the, I think it was the one that just fucking shocked you, I remember. Yeah, that was like, tough. It knocked you I'm over. Still, I'm still recovering. Schofield is on my list. <laughs> Is, okay. is in my top thirty, and he's and he's traditionally thought of as not. So it's it's already surprising that we're we're tapped into the same guy. Yeah, we have we've done that before a bunch of times, though. I think. Yeah. Um, TLC, Corkmaz, Mitchell, those guys were all you know on our board. We were so. both regrettably Dennis Smith Jr. guys too. Yes, uh, I still believe. I don't really. I don't even really know if I believed in the beginning. Yeah. Number nine, I have Cam Reddish. Okay. Who? Okay. Well, let me. I do, remember. Let me do, let me do the. People know yeah, Cam right. Reddish probably yeah. more, but yeah, uh, Cam Reddish is a wing. He's actually from Reading. Um, he is a, a huge bodied wing, six eight, seven foot, very long. Like looks like Paul George, Richard Lewis is who, is who NBA draft uh, Ringer NBA has him at. Just like a really good looking basketball player, absolutely. Like end of the day, that's what he looks like. But uh, he played at Duke. He's he's a three. He was kind of that third freshman at Duke behind Zion and RJ. Um, but he disappointed statistically at at Duke. Thought of as a three and D guy, but but didn't perform well. What do you like about him? So you remember when we were talking about the guy that Orlando drafted that Amos wanted us to trade for? Um, John Isaac. John Isaac, and I was like, eh, too tall. And I still believe that he is too tall. Uh, I, I look at Cam Reddish, and I'm like. I, he's so long and like um, like his body is such that I wouldn't ex- I would expect him to be too tall, but he isn't. He moves so fluidly, like offensively. Mm-hmm. He just it seems like he uh, and he reminds me of guys that didn't really work out. He like he actually like the way he moves reminds me of Michael Porter Jr. a little bit, and he also he's much more uh, fluid moving than than MPJ. Right. And, uh, and like Marquise Chris was another guy that I liked at that size, but he, he just seems like he moves like his offensive game and how he moves. I I always feel like when I watch college players, everything is so, um, not smooth. Like everything is so 
herky-jerky and slow. And this guy looked like he was legit. Like he stood out amongst the guys that he was playing by a lot. And um, I've always been a, uh, a good athlete, like sort of smooth looking guy. And he just, I don't know, at, with as big as he is and as long as he is and as smooth as he was on offense, he just feels like he's going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, I was really excited about him coming into Duke. Um, I, th- I liked him more than RJ coming in, but he just did not do anything really well at Duke. Um, in a place where they needed shooting desperately, that team. He Shouldn't only, he just stay in school then? No, because he's getting drafted in the lottery. So why not? I guess. Just leave. Yeah. Um, he shot 33% from three, pretty mediocre. He shot under 40% on twos, uh, which is horrendous. Um, he's not just not just does not finish well, especially for considering his size and athleticism. He should finish better around the rim, and he just doesn't. Um, you're buying the reputation he had coming into college because for me he took a big hit um and he should be good on defense i think he'll eventually get there but i think it's gonna take him a couple years to figure out how to play um because he wasn't wasn't that good defensively at duke um i don't know i i i I believe in the the body and i think he's a a, he seems like a decent kid but he really played poorly he's on he's in my top 30 i think it'd be it would be over the top for me to, to not rank him, but uh, but he he dropped a lot for me for, compared to what I wanted him to be. Number eight. So far, two for two. There's an there's there's always a moment uh, with the name that, and uh, so I Chuma Okiki. Yeah, you got it right. Close enough. That's no correct. Um, I wrote down Covington, but a better athlete. Uh, and he's even bad at things that, at the things that Covington is bad at too. So Chumo Kiki is a played the four with some small ball five at Auburn. Um, really, he got he's if you watch any college basketball, he got he tore his ACL in the at the end of the game against UNC, which I think was an Elite Eight game or a Sweet Sixteen game. Um, and I love him. He's he's exactly. I would say he's maybe eighty-five to ninety percent of Covington defensively, with um, I would say better offensive instincts, um, cu- cutting, offensive rebounding, passing. I think he's he's better in that sense. But he's not as elite at defense as Covington is. But he's better at other stuff. So, but you worry about the ACL, and from there's various reports about you know him having major injury concerns. But I also have him oh, very really? high because I, I love him. I think he's absolutely fantastic. He's a really smart player. He's a good kid. Um, I've just, I have just watched that Auburn team a lot this year because I, I really love their point guard, Jared Harper. Um, and Okiki just, like, pops. He's just, like, smart defensively, um, plays, uh, does a lot of, like, above-the-break threes when he's because he's, like, kind of the last line of defense on defense, and then he was kind of the trailer and, and hit a bunch of those um and they're just a really fun team to watch but and, and he's just a good he seems like he's like high iq plus hustle plus like tangible skills is really like everything i like in a prospect but i worry about the acl but i i have him i have him very high as well wow we're uh we're, we're doing insane. okay so far yeah but it's, it's one of those things where like what do you say to like a medical department that says hey we don't we worry about his knees or we think that he's 
no, he might not come back from this to be the same player, like that kind of stuff. Well, it's like, we were built on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm ready to take the chance. Number six, I have Zion Williamson. Oh God. Oh no. So, I if he were look, I've had top three guys out of my top ten pretty regularly. So six is actually pretty complimentary for a guy. No. If if he weighed 25 pounds less, he would be one or two for me. I I don't wish this upon anyone, but like he's he jumps too hard and dunks too much for a guy who weighs as much as he does, and I think he's going to get injured. And how's that a criticism of his game? It isn't. I'm, I'm just saying I'm drafting a guy for the next 10 years. I want him to be able to play. He weighs too much. He's going to get hurt. And also, there's no evidence that he can shoot or dribble. And there's, defi- there's definitely evidence that he can dribble. He's, he can dribble, 100%. Mm, he can't shoot. He's got a, he's got a weird shot, but he did shoot 34% from three. He shot better than Cam Reddish from three. Well, Josh, uh, Josh, what's his name? Uh, Jackson shot 40% from three. He sucks. Look, yeah, no, I, mean, I, don't, I just think, I just, you tell me what you don't like about him, and then I'll go from there. I, I, I just don't like that I watched, not only did I watch a whole game, I watched a bunch of highlights, and all I ever do is see him score off of, like, like actions like and bullying people and scoring off the fast break and none of that shit is like you can't you're not the best player in the draft if you do that and also the other thing is that he weighs too much i'm i'm being serious like i look at this guy and you can't he's carrying too much weight and i he legitimately has to lose 20 pounds i think so if he would do that i think he would be great he would be very big board eligible for me if he wasn't so big he's too big <laughs> okay. That's what I think. Uh, he's the best defensive prospect I've ever seen. Um, he's just, his reaction time is insane. Uh, weak side shot blocking, on ball defense, um, just picking guys' pockets, great hands. Uh, on offense, I mean, it's just like a, a, a total nightmare in transition. Like, it's just, I've never seen anything like it. Um, it's easily the closest thing we've had to LeBron in transition. Um, and offensively, he's just got, he's just a really gifted passer. Like a, has, has just like, you can watch him see the court in a way, in like a special way. And absolutely the jumper is like very stilted. Um, but so is Giannis, you know? And I think he'll, I think. Giannis uh, got drafted like 15th, man. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, but he was also yeah. not nearly as good as Zion right. is right now. Um, and uh, and I think he'll, I think the the he just needs to be able to do that kind of step into a three type thing. I I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, shooting pull ups off the dribble a ton. But he's the best offensive rebounder I've I've seen in a long time. He hustles. He's like a great kid. He makes his teammates better. I mean, it's it's everything you want in a in a prospect. I think he's I think there's a very good chance he's an all star next year. What? Yeah. I think he's, no. he's incredible. I think he's absolutely incredible. Um, I actually skipped a number. Um, number seven, I, I went from right from eight to six. Number seven, I have Kevin Porter Jr., who looks more like James Harden than I've ever seen somebody look like another player. So like, Kevin Porter Jr. is a, a wing-slash-initiator from USC, uh, freshman. Um, he sat out a lot of the year. 
because he was suspended. Um, off the court issues seem to be like late a lot to stuff. Um, maturity is something that people worried about. Um, the the reason he was suspended was for undisclosed reasons. Uh, undisclosed reasons. Um, certainly is lefty. It's the the James Harden comparisons came uh, came very quickly. What else do you like about him? Well, yeah, he's not just lefty, but he has like, it, it almost seems like he, you know how Kobe looks like he just grew up watching Michael Jordan and trying to emulate everything he does. It just seems like he has that same thing with Harden. He, his form is the same on the jumper, his step back is the same. And he also like is uh, in the way that we all hoped that Markel Fultz was like actually shifty and getting by people and finding space. This guy seems to do it. I don't know. He looks like a, a a pretty classic, like big NBA combo guard to me. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see flashes of that. You absolutely see flashes of that. Um, he's also on my board because um, I because I think that some of that's some of that scoring ability is undeniable. Uh, when we talked to Alan last week or a couple of days ago, was it a couple of days ago already? Jesus. Um, yeah, it was Sunday. He said he would give the he basically turn over the offense to Kevin Porter and make him be uh, your point guard because then he'll be more willing to like pass the ball and, and figure things out rather than trying to put him as a role player wing type, just like, hey, stand in the corner and wait your turn, then he'll just like dribble the air out of the ball. Um, he's not a team player right now, although he has like some vision. Um, he, can, he can shoot, but his, he, he weirdly shot 52% from the line last year in limited attempts. Um, That's crazy. He has... He has the body to defend, and I think I think if he, you know, cares to, he will. But I think there's there's so much maturity issues with him, and that uh, you know, I think he's going to be good if if like in the right situation. I don't know that I'd want to be the situation that like gives him that chance that spends like draft capital on him because there's such a not that everybody is in high risk, but it seems like. This could really he could be the out of the league in like a couple of years if it just like he's, makes everybody hit. He's him. in your top thirty. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a break. Talk about our sponsor, Big Barker Dog Beds. <sighs> it's been a good couple of weeks for the uh, process pups. We've gotten a bunch of new process pups on the uh, on the website. When you get a Big Barker dog bed at bigbarker.com/ricky, you will get the patch, the the official process pup patch to put on your your dog bed, and then you, it's just like an iron-on. They give you two of them, actually. You don't have to put it on the the uh, the bed, but you might as well get the free patch while yeah, you're at it. Yeah, put it on your kid. But you, there's nothing saying you can't put it on your kid, right? Bigbarker.com slash Ricky. We've gotten uh, Boban, who lives in San Francisco. He's oh, a really good. La- yep, a Labradoodle. There's oh, Pearl. Boban the Labradoodle. Yep. That's really Pearl, um, who now lives in Philly, named after Earl Monroe. And uh, Penny Lane, who lives in Oklahoma City. Snowy, who lives in South Philly. Anyway, the reason these dogs are all so comfortable is because they're laying on the best dog bed on the market. The first one, engineered by experts to uh, to ease the, uh, ease the dog's joints, especially the big ones, the 50-pound and over ones. Mike, as you know, there are big barkers for every size, um, from the little ones 
to the giant ones. There's like an enormous big barker that you, a regular person, could sleep on. And it's not just like the size of it. It's like the, the, the foam is actually so supportive and so good. You can see in the pictures that it's really supporting the dog as it sleeps. And uh, it, that is fucking really important because dogs get older, their joints get creaky just like ours. And if you're sleeping on some piece of shit that you got at a pet store, I mean, that's not why you get a dog. No, you get it's a not. dog to sp- you, you get a dog, Mike, tell me if I'm wrong. You get a dog to spoil the, the fuck out of that dog and make sure that dog lives a happy life. Yeah. Right? I mean, we're talking about knee issues for these draft prospects. Think about it for your dog, how much you'd want to yes. correct those. Maybe your dog gets drafted. Yes, it could happen. Up to 80% of dogs over 50 pounds develop arthritis as they age. Ease the symptoms by getting them a big barker. 10-year warranty. The foam does not flatten or they will replace it for free. A one-year at-home trial. They will... Give you your money back. Even pay for the shipping if you don't like it. Handmade in the United States of America. Big Barker dog bed. Whoa! All right. Here we go to the top, my top five, right? Okay, you're yep, skip, not skipping any, over any more numbers? Nope. Um, Dude, he does, he only does a top ten. Can't even count them. Yep. Number five, Jalen McDaniels. Oh, interesting. Okay, he's not in my top 30. Hmm. Uh, do you want to give any background on him before I say what I remember? Yeah, sure. Okay, so he is a like a six nine six ten uh, big wing from San Diego State, which is where Kawhi Leonard went. Um, he has a brother named Jaden McDaniel's who's coming in, who's going to be very good, uh, a better prospect, his bro- younger brother. Um, and he, I'll, I'll try to just give you give you the without my opinion about it, but he is a theoretically built to be a modern 3 and D wing in in today's league. What, yep. do, you, what, he, do, you, uh, what do you like about him? Good athlete. Uh, looks like he plays hard, hustles. Good dunker. Um, a good ball handler for his size. And his shot looks legit to me. And this is the guy you've ranked over Zion. Correct. Well, I, I'm not worried about his uh, him hurting his knee so badly. Okay. Uh, he's twenty. He's twenty-one. He's I think he's a sophomore or junior. Um, he has a lot of tools, and you look at the body and you look at occasional plays he makes, and you're like very impressed. But I don't think I just don't think he's very good. I don't think he thinks the hmm. game very well. Um, I believe in the. It, it just seems like it seems it seems like almost like you're getting a like a prepackaged like a an un, un, unput together iPod where you're like looking, you're like, this is all the parts, but like, and hoping the parts just kind of jump together and like figure it out. Uh, I think it's, if he can, if he can, if his brain can get there, if he can learn the game on, on a high level, I think that he, that he'll absolutely be useful. Um, uh, maybe as like a bigger Jeremy Lamb type thing. Um, but, uh, I, at this point there's, there's guy, he's like old enough where it's like, if you don't, think the game at a high level right now at 21 it's like maybe maybe you're not going to get there maybe it's not the league for you I, th- I see a little austin day in there if you remember him from gonzaga uh, yeah. a bunch of years ago um so i don't i don't love him but our boy kevin o'connor does uh so not a not a crazy pick crazy to have him over zion but uh anybody would be so all right next one um Boy, I hadn't watched this guy until you guys talked about him and with Elon, and I was like, wow, this is my guy. 
Carson Edwards. Okay, sure. All right, so Carson Edwards, uh, scoring guard, played point guard basically, but uh, was mostly a score-first point guard from Purdue. Uh, If you watched the tournament, you saw him hit some crazy shots in games against uh, Virginia and then um, Auburn. Uh, Just a crazy... No, they didn't play Auburn. But the Virginia game is what I'm thinking of. Uh, the Tennessee game and then the Virginia game in the, in the Elite Eight and the, in the Sweet 16 and Final Four. Uh, crazy shooter. Um, pull-ups from anywhere, but is six foot, pretty much six foot even. His wingspan is 6'6", six, six, which was inspiring to me. Um, kind of, he's bow-legged. His knees are like out, like very thick legs if you, if you, if you can take a look at him. But... Uh, he is definitely high on my board. What do you like about him also? Hmm. Just like Isaiah Cannon. Um, <laughs> That's why you st- like him? Because he said well, he Isaiah Cannon? He's, he's stocky and strong, and he has a lot of range. When guys are that short, I like when they're strong like that. Um, they, they're sort of a pain in the ass, like the way Chris Paul is or the way Kyle Lowry is. And his range is crazy. Um, good handle, good shooter, like his body. That's pretty much it. A lot of pull-up threes on the break. Love pull-up threes on the break. Yeah, Purdue had no other creators whatsoever. They had a couple other shooters, but like really nobody else that could do anything. So it was really, the offense was just him. And according to Ken Palm, they had the second or third. Them in Tennessee and Virginia and Gonzaga were like the top four offenses in, in college basketball last year. So for them to have as few legitimate like dynamic weapons as they did um, but be, at, be, be as as good as they were is a real testament to, to Carson Edwards, and and they that they've been at the top of the rankings offensively for the past couple of years since since Carson's been there. He's a junior. He's twenty one. Uh, the knock on him is that he doesn't have great court vision as your as your lead guard, uh, and that he, at college he basically just like went to get his. He only averaged as a point guard two point nine assists per game. Um, I I tend to think that that's because. Uh, they just didn't have the weapons, and he just had to do it all himself. And so that's, I think, some some of his bad shots. He's an incredible, tough shot maker. So I think that's sometimes he took you know ill advised ones, but he's capable of making them. And I just I believe in the package. Um, great great handle. I think once the defense is you know it's just such a weapon to be able to hit shots from out there to pull up from anywhere off the dribble, um, and he can also hit shots off the catch. So I really like him a lot. Um, I think. I was I was I was highish on him, and then when I saw his wingspan was six six, and he's strong as hell. Um, I just think he's going to be able to hang defensively in a way that he kind of didn't need to at, at Purdue because they had better defenders around him and behind him, and he was carrying such a load offensively that it was like he'll figure it out. Um, I I think there's some Dame Lillard there. <laughs> Honestly, I know that that's not a that's that's kind of a crazy take to have, but his scoring instincts are are off the charts. Um, and I, I just think in this draft when there are very few like high level players, like elite, like lead guy players, you look for what are the things that they can do better than anybody else? And what is their like elite NBA skill? And I think his is one of the few in this draft that, that will actually translate. He can change shots from wherever. And I think that changes the defense. I would be he doesn't he doesn't go with the Sixers vibe of just huge men, but uh, as a guy to like back up JJ at first and then eventually take us take a spot, that'd be somebody I'd absolutely target. I think I think he's really fucking good. 
Yep, I liked him a lot. Um, number three is a guy that I've mentioned on both draft pods, Dylan Windler. Um, okay, so Windler, a, a big wing lefty from Belmont. They played Temple in the uh, in the first four game um, to get into the tournament. Um, shooter is four year senior. Um, what else? Yeah, you tell me about what else you like about him. Well, uh, good shooter, good athlete, um, a good shooter, and can shoot from really deep too. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, the the more you watch teams, like, um, you know, the, there was an, a really interesting article on SB Nation a couple years ago about how far, um, like, that Houston was shooting three pointers from further away than anybody else. Yeah. And from a t- for a team like the Sixers who. Uh, could use as much space as possible, especially with the, even if they just keep Embiid and Simmons and Butler, um, the guys that like to occupy a lot of the same space. I think a guy like Windler could be really helpful. I'm noticing that I picked a lot of, when I say um, the name of the guy, a lot of times you just keep saying big wing and it seems like that's what I was looking at a lot. Yeah. He didn't seem like he needs a lot of space to get his shot off. Mm-hmm. And um, he looked like he played under control a lot of the time. Like, just seems like a really, really good basketball player. Yeah, smart guy. Uh, I see, I see a, like a little, he can hit shots off movement. So I see a little bit of Clay Thompson there. Obviously, that's the next level shooting. And, um, you know, it's almost irresponsible to, to compare him. But I think he's going to be. Just a, he, he cuts really well. He goes after the, the the rebounds like very hard. Belmont obviously didn't play in a fantastic conference, but they did play some decent competition. He played against like John Morant and Jacksonville State. Also had a, a good team uh, that he played against. Um, good rebounder, like I, just a high IQ player. Can cut, can can move. I, I don't think he's going to be a tremendous defender, but I think he's going to be able to defend his position. Um, I love a lefty. The Sixers haven't had a lefty in a lot a long time. Um, and he shot 43% from three this year and 85% from the line. So I, I believe it. Um, I have him pretty high. We are, we're in sync aside from the Zion thing. We are, we are pretty much in sync, but, uh, who else you got? What do we got? Number three? Where's that three? Uh, that was three. Number two is, is it John Morant? Yeah. Or Jay. Okay. John Morant. Um, I hedged a little, this was the only guy I, so I, Sharp is usually a pretty good big board guy, and he seems to enjoy my takes. And I asked him about two guys. I knew, uh, I asked him about my number one guy who I was sure of, and I asked him about Morant. And he, he did say the one thing that made me nervous about Morant was like the shooting, and I hate picking guys that can't shoot. Yeah. But he is such a legit passer, and he's so fast and strong. And um, I just, it seemed like he destroyed pick and rolls pretty regularly too. Even when they hedged hard on him, he like his his handle was strong enough to get around him. And he just he seems like he finds guys a lot. And um I don't know. He just uh he looks like a guy that I who's the the fucking the King's point guard? Darren Fox. Um what's that? Darren Fox. Yeah, Fox. He and I didn't like Fox because I didn't think he could shoot, but like you watch him and it just felt like it was there. And Morant seems like he's a even better ball handler and a better passer than Fox was. So yeah, so he's I like a him. point guard, at Murray State sophomore. Um, didn't play against uh, tremendous competition, uh, though in the tournament 
he dominated Marquette, which is a, a less athletic team, and then got totally uh, blown up by Florida State, which was a very athletic NBA size and length team. Um, Murray State, you'll remember, is Isaiah Cannon's alma mater, um, as well as uh, Campaign, former NBA point guards. Um, so I have obviously I have job ranked, but I I don't believe in the defense and I don't believe in the shot. Um, with Fox is a comparison that I've I've thought of as well. Um, in that I didn't I didn't love him, but that but the shot looked pretty. It looked decent. It just it was just a matter of like he seems like kind of too weak to hit from range. Um, but he's he definitely took a big leap forward and he's a good kid. John Moran also a good kid. Um, but he just he kind of shoots a two handed ball, um, like from his chest, and so I I worry that that's that's just not going to come. Um, he's athletic but not crazy like powerful. Um, he I mean the vi- the thing, stuff he said about the vision and the passing is a hundred percent true. Fun in transition makes his teammates better. Um, like not like has good touch around the rim. Uh, I just I just don't know that he's going to be like a next level type player, and not that this is you know this isn't for the Sixers or anything, but I I think John Morant being two in this draft because he'll almost certainly go to Memphis is more of just a statement on what the what this draft is in terms of high upside guys than it is like he is like a clear you know top option i think he's going to be a, a good player i think he'll be a starter in the league for a long time um rebounds well does a ton does a ton of things on the court just like if it's a if it's a point a ball dominant point guard that is can't really switch and can't really shoot i i just have i worry yep i understand it and the number one guy to me is so clearly number one and it is darius garland hmm Interesting. I know. So wait, Dar- know, Darius Garland, point guard, Vanderbilt, yeah. played, I think, four games before he tore his meniscus? I think he tore it in the fifth or okay. something. Um, yeah. So not much tape on him, didn't come back the rest of the season. Uh, he's a point guard with, with big-time pull-up three abilities. And you have him ranked one. Let's hear it. Well, he has pull-up three abilities, but he also has, like, pretty sick touch around the rim he is like a pretty sick handle and like he is like a good Kyrie Irving to me I, I just he he's a legit NBA scorer that that guy is going to be really hard to guard I think and uh especially the NBA now you can't fucking touch anybody there's just I don't think there's any way that this guy doesn't score like pretty regularly in the NBA Really good player. I don't know. Pop to me when I was watching his tape. Sure. I mean, there's not much tape to watch. Um, well, all I need is seven minutes, that, bro. That's it. Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't love him. I don't think he's going to defend. Um, I don't think he's a very good passer. Um, I think I look at him and think that's the sixth man. Um, I kind of see, like, Jeff Teague or like DJ Augustine. Type things. I know those guys aren't six man. Better better scoring ability than those guys. Um, but he's not that athletic. Um, he can't really rise up over anybody. Uh, he's got a pretty thin frame. Um, yeah, I just I, I think he can. He's really good, shifty, like off the dribble shooter, um, and can get his. I just don't know what else he's a lead at. And I think the reason why he's thought of as like a 
top six to eight prospect in the league is in the draft is because it was kind of like a mystery box thing, whereas like he didn't play much, so people don't didn't have enough time to like sort of exploit his weaknesses and talk about what he can't do, you know. That that punk Kevin O'Connor has him at ten. The fuck is that all about? Yeah, ten. I have him at twelve. Unreal. Um, all right, before we get to Mike's Big Board 30, we'll talk about our final sponsor for this podcast, the Paul Green Rock Academy. Mike, let's say I could say you you were competent, really good at playing any instrument ever, and you could play that instrument for any song with the band who recorded it. Who would you want to do that with? Huh. It's really tough to lay on me on the spot right now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to say Run the Jewels. (laughs) What instrument? Life, man. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The Paul Green Rock Academy doesn't just teach you how to play an instrument. They teach you about life. Getting along with people. It's about life. Playing in a band, being harmonious. It's about life. Learning an instrument is one thing, but playing with other people is the next level. Whether you've always wanted to do it, you know, you have your guitar at at home and in the office, or you play your drums that everyone gets mad at you to play because they're too loud. You've always wanted to play with people, or whether your kid does, because that's what Paul Green made his name doing, teaching kids how to play in bands. School of Rock, about Paul Green. He came back, he sold School of Rock, they franchised it. He was like, fuck that. He moved away to Woodstock. He came back home. He opened up the Paul Green Rock Academy. There's the kid programs are where it's at. There is a uh, the junior program and then the master's program. The master's program is a higher level one. And they've been in Philly, but now they're coming to South Jersey in September in Marlton. They will have a master's program there, a prep program for younger kids, the adult band camp. Um, and they're scheduling auditions now for the master's program. Like I said... Um, Learning an instrument is fun, but learning to play with other people is, is what Paul Green does. At and the lottery it will give party. You a whole, at the lottery party. And they were awesome. Um, it's amazing how good the fucking kids are, man. I think I told you the story. I, was, I, I played with them once, and I made them learn the song, two songs that I wanted to play. And we were playing one of them. I think it was the Matthew Sweet song. And they, the, the, guitar, the lead guitar guy looked at me and he goes, all right, now you solo. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't know how to play a solo. <laughs> Go back to what we learned. They're all so good and they have a lot of a, a fun time. I went in there and practiced with them. It's great. So if you're interested, paulgreenrock.com, paulgreenrock.com. Again, Philly, South Jersey, adults, kids, whatever. Learn how to play in a band, paulgreenrock.com. All right, it's time for the mic, big board. Um, let's go. Okay, I'll try to go quick because most, you know, I'll, we talked about some of these guys and a lot of them won't be there for the Sixers. So I have, I have Zion at yep. one. I think it is just undeniable he's, he's the best uh, prospect to come out of the draft in years. Maybe since Anthony Davis, I think he might be better than Anthony Davis right away. Um, but, but Mike, that's insane. I think he might be better than Anthony Davis was out of as a, as a rookie is what I meant Okay. Okay. All right. Um, Makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just think he's. I think he's incredible. I. I love him. I can't wait to see him play. Um, Number two, I have Jarrett Culver, who is a a wing from Texas Tech. Sophomore played with Zaire Smith last year. Um, Took a big step forward this year. Um, Just a really high floor guy with, I think, some next level thinking the game. 
uh, getting to his spots offensively. Had to do a lot of Texas Tech offensively before like the other guys stepped up. So he's, he'd, some of his numbers are, are hurt by how much was on his shoulders and taking some bad shots that he shouldn't have taken. But he's a really smart player, good passer, instinctive uh, offensive player. Uh, and he's going to be really good defensively. I think he's going to be a maybe not first team all defense, but like in the conversation for second team and and just uh, as one of the best wing defenders in the league. Uh, I think he's like a perfect like elite role player type guy. And in this draft, like I'm very happy to have have that at uh, two. I did have a note on him. Okay, I, I did have notes on guys that didn't. It just says in all capital letters and extended out slow. I think there's a difference between slow and sort of plays at his pace with the ball in his hands. I, he's, okay. he's a good athlete, and it's tough because these guys, not all the guys at the top pretty much don't do the combine anymore, so you'd wish to see like what actually are his athletic numbers. But if you watch him in like a regular game, like a full game, not just highlights, like you really see the impact he has on both sides of the ball. Um, I think he's just a winning player. I think he's just going to be – he's like a perfect player for whoever takes him. Um, number three, I'm surprised you didn't have this guy, uh, UNC point guard Kobe White. Um, uh, so I have notes on Kobe White. Okay. I like watching him, but I bet he's going to suck. Okay. Um, That's I have him pretty okay. high. I didn't actually – I'm surprised by how high I ranked him. He's a, he's a freshman. UNC played at some of the fastest pace in the league. They didn't even like really run plays. They kind of just – Ran off misses, off makes, left and right. So, and that's how he played in high school, also. So, and he, I think he's the, I think he broke the scoring record for high school in North Carolina. I think, um, or wherever state he's from. I'm not sure if it's North Carolina, but he's uh, he's big. He's bigger than I thought he was. He's six five as a point guard. Um, he has some bounce. He's really shifty with the ball in his hands. Change of pace, but it's like, it's kind of like when you have a a pitcher that throws 98 and then they're like their 91 mile an hour changeup looks so slow comparatively, but still beats your ass. Um, he just, he's just on the move all the time. He's a good shooter off the, off pull-ups. Um, he can get to the rim. Uh, he doesn't, I, there were, you know, some negatives about him in terms of like, um, can he finish around the rim a ton? Can he elevate over people? Not really, but, and, and like, is he a, is he a perfect, um, primary ball handler I don't think so I think with playing alongside Simmons as the point guard there I think he's kind of perfect uh, I think he'll defend his position um, he has like elite three-point shooting and pull-up game and uh, that's ex- I, as far as like get you a bucket guys go he has a combination of like unselfishness and defense that you know I look for in, in those kinds of guys um, number four one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, this is a this would be a reach for basically where they are in the mock, but I've loved him all year. It's Grant Williams. He is a let's call him like a big wing kind of from Tennessee. Um, he is a a young junior. He's only twenty. Um, he is the I think smartest player in the draft. Um, People look at him. He went to went to Tennessee. I said so. He played with Admiral Schofield, your boy. Those those two were like the heart and soul of that of those Tennessee teams. Um, he's a really really bright kid. He like, you know the 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 interesting stuff about him is like his family and like how cere- like cerebral he is. He like plays Settlers of Catan 
and like he does like there's a ton of just weird shit about Grant Williams and how like interesting of a guy he is but thinks the game at a really high level incredible passer um has didn't really extend his range to three much he was a little hesitant to shoot threes but I think it'll come he's a great foul, foul shooter and he has great range or great uh touch around the rim and from like 15 feet out or so um so I, he's gonna have to shoot threes and I think he'll just learn to do it um him being a only a 20 year old junior and him being as good as he is already is is really impressive uh good defender can move his feet well I think he's a like I think he can switch one through five he he's not Super quick laterally, so he'll probably get burned by point guards on switches. But I think he's just smart enough to to make it work and, and position his body well. Um, I love him. He might be available at twenty four. He's kind of, I think, body wise, semi somewhat similar to Tobias Harris in that he's like strong as fucking hell. Um, he there's some Draymond to his game in terms of like you just put him in the middle and like make him make decisions because he's one of the best decision makers there is. Um, he's the reason why Tennessee's offense was so good. Uh, he's great. I mean, he's just, you, you watch this guy and he's just great. And I would love for him to be a sixer. And as far as I think Brett would love to coach him. So I'm very happy with Grant Williams at four. Uh, any thoughts on him or no? No, I didn't write anything down. Okay. Number five, Grant Williams is a big basketball Twitter, draft Twitter guy. And so is num- number five for me, Brandon Clark, who went to Gonzaga. Um, he's a, he's a big, like a four five type thing. Um, he transferred from San Jose State, um, and at San Jose State, he was a terrible shooter. He had the, the ugliest shot you've ever seen. Um, but then when he got to Gonzaga, sat out a year, totally rebuilt his shot, and became like a really decent-looking shooter uh, and improved his numbers across the board. Still has to extend his range to three, but has seems like it'll... I just believe in the in him upgrading because he's a really smart player. Has some Siakam to his game in terms of like getting to his spots. Defensively is where he's... Unbelievable. Um, weak side shot blocker. Uh, can move his feet. Can credibly guard one through five. Uh, incredibly versatile player. He, sh- I think he had... I think the oh, Danny Childs tweeted this a bunch of times. I think he's had more blocked shots than he had misses. Some, some like crazy. Yes, in, logged as many blocks as missed shots during the regular season at Gonzaga, which is just absolutely insane. Um, wow. He doesn't take shots that he can't make. He has... He, he can he elevates on floaters at, at a level that is just really very cool to see from a guy that big. Um, the bummer with him is that what people kind of expected is his wingspan was really bad. So he's six he's six eight, and so he's already like kind of small to be small ball five. And then his wingspan is also only six eight. Um, so that's the that's people concerned. But his athleticism is some of the best in in the game. Uh, numbers wise, he was the second best player in college basketball to Zion. And like maybe the second the second best player in the past like eight years of college basketball just been an unbelievable unbelievable season from him. Uh, but he is old um, and he has to work on his uh, shot. But he's uh, I, I believe in him as a guy that's just going to be really really good. Um, I think he can play a four next to Embiid if it if they decided to trade up to get him. He'll probably go late lottery to in the into twenty something like that. But I, I don't think he'll be available at twenty four. Um, just really. Really, he just pops. Like, just like does the pop. Good passer, gets his hands and everything. Like just unbelievable player. Uh, so that's number five. Number six, I have John Morant. We talked about him. That's as low as yep. I could credibly rank him. He, he does. He is an incredible player. But I just I have my concerns. Um, number seven, 
my guy who I've been talking about all year long, which is a concern for people who have still have uh, Markel Fultz trauma. Uh, Matisse Thibel also went to University of Washington, uh, four-year player. Uh, he played at the, the his his elite skill. If we're talking about like what what guys are elite that I that I love and and have to you just have to watch. He's just an incredible event maker on defense. His block and steal numbers are absolutely unprecedented. Like just just shocking level of actions up there. But it, does, it, it is in his own, so some of it is like artificially enhanced. But like there's yeah. a ton of I've a ton. I've like. I have like Syracuse flashbacks. Yeah, well, Mike from... Hopkins is the coach of Washington, and he was oh. he was Beheim's assistant for a long time. Um, but there's plenty of teams that play zone, and nobody has numbers that even come close to approaching Thibel. If you watch him, like his instincts defensively are shocking. He he's so fast to a ball, like a free safety. He just like all of a sudden jumps it, and he's gone. Um, really great athlete um, in in quick bursts. Uh, he's just going. He, he's kind of small. He's six. What is he? Six four. Um, him and I've been dreaming about him and Zaire Smith as a as like a defensive backcourt with Simmons for like a long time. Um, would be really really fun to watch. He's six five. Uh, his wingspan is seven foot, which is which is just wild. Um, but he did not come. He, so he's a four year senior. He did not go to the combine or he left early. Um, because the book on him is that he got people think that he got a promise uh, somewhere in the twenties, which would which would vibe for the for the Sixers. Um, he's not as great but, on ball as he is he did, off ball. He never worked out for the Sixers. He never worked out for the. They might have seen him at the at some some other sure. event, something yeah. or other. Um, he's he's great defensively. He's just there's there's it, it take your breath away stuff. Offensively, Washington was. One of the most boring offensive teams in the nation. Um, they had a bunch of good players, but this their offense was just sort of standing around, swinging the ball back and forth, um, and waiting for something to happen. Um, he is a decent dribbler. He's definitely not like a lead guard type, but as far as like, can he be Danny Green? He needs to get better at shooting threes. But I think he's I think he's a smart passer, smart cutter. Um, is not a dynamic offensive player, but will I think be able to fill a role and not be a total zero on offense when he's you know making so much happen on defense. So he's a guy I love, and if the Sixers came away with him at twenty four, I'd be absolutely thrilled. Um, Ringer NBA has him uh, shades of Danny Green, Gary Harris, and Tony Allen. If uh, if that's what you're thinking, um, let me get to my ten, and then we can take another break. Number eight is DeAndre Hunter, who is uh, another big wing from Virginia. Um, not, he's a junior, let me see. Um, he was the one who, when, uh, when Virginia lost to the 16th seed UMBC two years ago, he broke his hand, so he was not playing, that's why they lost. Um, he's a sophomore, a little bit older for a sophomore, though, 21 and a half. He's, like, sort of tailor-made 3 and D guy. Not a very, like, fluid athlete, he's kind of boxy, his, like, his... Body is incredible, 6'7", 225 with a 7'2 wingspan. Um, he's from Philly also. Uh, he is just like a grown person. And you watch him play and you just like trust him to kind of make the right decisions. There is, there's, even, there's very little dynamic 
offensive play to his game, but he's kind of like he's going to rise up and take a very kind of boxy three, and he's going to make a, a solid pass. He's going to rebound. He's going to be physical, incredibly physical guy. Um, and I think he's going to be able to defend one-on-one against really anybody in the NBA. He's not a great off-ball defender in that he Virginia's system really didn't generate many blocks and steals, so he kind of played very within himself, almost to a fault. Um, so he's not the Covington like uh, action maker that, that you'd like, but I think in today's NBA, switch onto anything, moves his feet well, a little bit like uncreatively, but certainly like capably uh so he's he's gonna be he's gonna go in the lottery uh probably the top 10 um but people are not as inspired by him i just believe in the package and i believe in that he's gonna like he'll just do the right thing on any given possession um and then number nine i have carson edwards which is very high for him um Mm -hmm. but i love him for all the reasons i said before and number 10 i have chumo kiki for all the reasons i said before um i really worry about the ACL, but I think, you know, some people say, you know, the Sixers had a lot of uh, just dead roster spots last season in guys who were hurt and then guys who just like weren't playing, Justin Patton, Amir Johnson, and then you could say the guys that are hurt, which was, you know, Zaire for a while and all the all the guys. Um, so the people are like, well, they need guys, we want guys to be able to play and, and give Jimmy breaks and Embiid breaks, all that stuff, but I think for Brett doesn't Brett doesn't love to play rookies anyway. So drafting a guy and saying, okay, we're only gonna, he's our fifteenth roster spot. We're not we're just going to sit him for the whole year and let him learn the system and grow. He's a really great kid. He's a heady heady player. I think he's going to be a legit NBA player if he if he's healthy enough to be. So uh, I love him. I've loved him all year, and I would love for the Sixers to take him at thirty three or thirty four. That's my top ten. Had some good matches. Had some good matches. Yeah, in our, our a bunch. Top ten. I a bunch. think this year. Um. Uh, let's do LL. Might as well, because, you know, we got another podcast Thursday. I don't know if we're going to even need a podcast this weekend unless free agency stuff happens. So let's talk about our sponsor, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Uh, a lot of people mentioned that uh, I stopped short when I mentioned that people should email LL about his teenage daughter. So I'm glad people have not done that. <laughs> um, we did. <laughs> what you want to email LL about is the engagement ring that you want to buy because you can't buy it from anybody but LL. We got a uh, we got a good email, right? Didn't we get a good email from a, a Pavorsky? Um, we did. Uh, wait, hold on. Let me I, get I it. Talked, I talked about LL in the room today, actually. Um, in the room. In my, oh, in, in the, the writer's room? room? Yeah. Really? Yeah, there was uh, talking about doing a, uh, an episode about dating or something and brought up uh it happened to come up in a pitch that i we have a jeweler that sponsors our podcast um and that 130 some people have gotten married because of us 135 wow. two in our presence right no one in our presence one engaged in our presence uh we got this email from i don't know if i'm supposed to say it um i proposed to my girlfriend blank oh it already happened i proposed to my girlfriend eden with a ring provided by ll on may 12th 2019 which was six years to the day of our first date as you may know that was also the night of game seven of the eastern conference semifinals unfortunately i was not able to watch the game because i was busy getting engaged i'm sure if I had watched 
watched the Sixers game, they would have prevailed. So I apologize for my selfishness by focusing so much on one ring, Eden's. I neglected the championship rings the Sixers would have surely received in October. I'm happy with the decision anyway. I want to thank you indirectly for introducing me to LL through the podcast. He was a steady hand and a helpful presence throughout the process of picking out an engagement ring for my new fiance. I, I want to say... Um, we didn't indirectly introduce you to LL. We directly introduced you to LL, right? Absolutely. I mean, they listened to the podcast. They went to LL. That's pretty direct. So many people have, 135, so many so that Mike talked about him in the uh, writing room of his TV show that he's working with. People talk about LL everywhere because he's the best. Um, if you're going to buy an engagement ring from him, make an appointment. Just let him know before you're coming over there. It's not official. You can stop over there whenever. People take their picture outside of LL Pavorsky Jewelers all the time now. But make an appointment. 215-62... Wait. 215... I don't have it in front of me. I tried to do it from memorization. Yikes. And it didn't work. Sorry. 215... We've done it for so many times. 215-627-2252. Email him at llpavorsky.com. Tweet him at llpavorsky. The, sco- the store, of course, is at 707 Walnut. And for every podcast, LL makes generous donations to our charities for consecutive years, for the first time ever in the history of the podcast, coded by kids in the Providence Animal Center. We used to switch, but we're, we both like our charities, so we're going to keep them. We're, they're all such good people. Yeah, do another, so. do another year with those guys. Yep. Fun. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Great body, high upside, makes his teammates better. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Here we go. Number 11. Number 11, I have RJ Barrett. Um, he's a guy that I have hated all year. Uh, he was He's the second freshman at Duke, so it's Zion, RJ, and then Cam Reddish. So uh, lefty took a ton. You know, the book on him is that he is a... Uh, Big-bodied wing who can shoot off the dribble and get to the rim and get to the line and defend his position and, and be fun in transition. I don't I don't see a lot with RJ. Um, I don't think he's a smart player. Uh, I think he's a total ball hog. I don't think he has great touch. I think he bullied a lot of guys uh, to get to his spots that won't be able to happen in the NBA. He led the nation in charges. Um, I just don't think he has great court awareness, and I think Mike Krzyzewski was really dumb to not put the ball in Zion's hands more often, which is why you have the opinion that he, he Zion doesn't dribble as much because he kind of wasn't allowed to. Um, every time RJ had the ball, if I was rooting against Duke, I was happy because uh, I don't think he's very good. But he has still his package, and he's, uh, I think Alon told us that he's, that Steve Nash is his godfather. Um, he's working with Joe Hanlon, so maybe he gets better at you know pulling up off the dribble, and, and he shoots a really hard ball also. Um, but he's won at every level he's been at, basically, so um, maybe there's some there. So I settled on 11 as, a, as like a nice middle ground um, to save myself from any torture if he happens to realize his potential, which I really don't think is that high. Maybe I should have ranked him lower. I don't know. Maybe this is a loser move for me. 12, I... Yeah, it seems like you hate I him. Do, you should I have had him, him like I 24. just hate him so much more than anybody else, than anybody else likes him. Uh, 12, I have Darius Garland. Uh, you know, incredible pull-up three, pull-up off the shot. I think you can... Point guard is a position you can get away with less good uh, defensiveness and... Um, you know, I think even you see how Fred Van Vliet became like a 
you know, an integral player in the playoffs and defended Steph Curry and switched onto a couple guys. If guys have the right mentality, and we just don't know with Garland since he only played four games, um, maybe he can get there. And his and his shooting on on from three and pull ups is certainly outlier. Uh, so maybe he can get there. So that's why I settled on thirteen. Uh, fourteen, I have Virginia Tech sophomore Nikhil Alexander Walker, who is Shea Alexander Walker, Shea, Shea Gilgis Alexander's cousin, and they also played together. Um, and I don't know if it was in high school or with an AAU team type, whatever. Uh, so he's also from Canada. Um, he's a long and somewhat thin, uh, I would say, secondary guard. He played some point guard at Virginia Tech because his point guard, Justin Robinson, got hurt. And so he had to take over the point guard role a little bit more. Virginia Tech was interesting because they, they ran a lot of offense through their high post. But Nikhil made a bunch of really smart plays out of there. Great passing. Um, he shot. 37% from three this year, 78% from the line. The sh- his arms are really long, so he's, he's a six nine and a half wingspan. Um, the shot is a little bit long, but I believe in it. Um, he's not... I remember last year, I, th- I talked about the two guys that I believed in the most to be like just legitimate NBA players, like starter level, were Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Wendell Carter. I don't quite see that with Nikhil. I think there's a chance that he flames out. Um... But I, I do like him. I think the shot is there. I think he'll work defensively. I think he's a he's going to be a solid role player, and I think he'd be a re- really nice fit um, playing off Ben Simmons as our like secondary creator in a Malcolm Brogdon type role. Do you see Do you see any Nikhil? Uh, I don't remember him. I didn't write anything down. You know, I I think next year maybe once my big board is done, like maybe I should see or so I can go look at some of the guys that I didn't that makes sense. have down. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, we're learning. Every year we're learning. How about that? Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll have it perfected eventually. <laughs> yeah, only seven, by seven the, years in. By the way, there was an athletic, forget who wrote it today, said that uh, a Western Conference executive said that the Sixers would be interested in Malcolm Brogdon. Huh. Well. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Um, number 15, I have P.J. Washington, who is a uh, power forward-ish uh, Kentucky sophomore. He really he came back for his sophomore season, which kind of surprised people, and he got so much better. Uh, really helped him coming back. Uh, most guys, it usually hurts their stock to come back, but he, he actively got better. Improved his range from three-point line. Uh, improved as a defender. Um, is a really tough defender. The, the best, I, I think he's just Patrick Patterson. I think he's just going to be a really solid. There's some Jeremy Grant in there also. Maybe not quite as outlier athletically. But he's six eight with a six seven two and a quarter wingspan, um, really good lob threat, like offense, good offensive rebounder. Um, so, can play a little small ball five. Um, he's just a t- he's a tough guy. He's a he's a seems to work really hard. Um, his motor goes on and off sometimes. I think at least as a freshman, um, and he fo- he focused in more as a as a sophomore. So we'll see if that happens. He, he's not gonna be like a very dynamic player, but as far as like a, a big body that can shoot and defend and rebound, he's he's really solid. I think he's going to be an NBA player for a decade. So that's PJ Washington. Do you watch him? Don't have him. Okay. Um, I, and also my show. Just to be clear, yeah. just to be clear, I watched like a lot. These weren't like I. I probably watched fifty guys. That's pretty good. So, yeah, just so if I didn't write them down, um, it just means that I didn't think anything. Yeah, yeah. Not that I didn't. Okay. Um, I also, the show I'm working on is set in Kentucky, so I'm kind of secretly hoping the Sixers 
somehow managed to get a Kentucky guy so my boss can uh, respect me, <laughs> which would be nice. <laughs> uh, my podcast brings well, we, value to the room. That's all that matters. We've always said the podcast, you described it once as like, you, you never know how to describe it. Either you feel like you're, you're boasting about something ridiculous yep. or you're being unnecessarily modest yeah. about There's something. There's no way to talk yeah. about it in a, in a healthy, <laughs> correct way. And it gets no. brought up in the room constantly. It is, uh, it is not, not going <laughs> oh, you, well. Mike's got a basketball. Yeah, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of that. You know, I'm even in that world. That's my life in a lot of ways. And when people bring it up, Angie, do you know this guy also? I'm like, oh, no. Don't make me talk about it. If they knew about it, they would have said something. Yeah. You know, if they cared. My boss boss said, put that in your podcast, your your basketball podcast, bitch, to me today (laughs) as a joke. But uh, (laughs) just, you know, that's that's, that's the target I wear on my back. Um, yep. number 16 is a guy that I just kind of fell in love with. Um, he's a guy that most people have in the second round, but I just think he does everything exactly right. And if I'm looking for like a high level defensive intensity and athletic role players, I just sort of buy it. Um, it is the Tulsa guard forward Daquan Jeffries. He, do you watch him? Mm, I don't remember. You should watch either. watch his highlights on silent while while I talk about him because he's very okay. impressive. Um, Dequan Jeffries. Yeah, Dequan Jeffries. He's a junior from from Tulsa, six five with a six eleven wingspan. He is really fucking strong, incredibly strong. Moves defensively. Guys cannot move him on defense whatsoever. I think he's a two through five defender. He could probably switch onto ones. I think he he, he might be a little bit too thick to to stay with like point guards, but like kind of everybody is. Um, and he's a really smart player. Like his level of, level of athleticism plus his defensive instincts, averaging over a steal and a block uh, per game this year, really impressive. Shot thirty six point six percent from three and seventy six percent from the line. Um, just Ooh, a good dunker. Yeah, great dunker. Throws yeah. down like with authority. Like aggressive player. Uh, finishes inside really nicely. Um, the stuff that he's bad at is like. Well, you don't want him doing that in the NBA anyway. So it's like, is, can he shoot off the dribble? Like, no. But it's like, okay, well, who cares? He, we don't want him to do that. Um, he's going to be able to hit threes off the catch. He's going to be able to defend his position. And he's a good passer and can attack a closeout well enough and bang on the offensive glass and run in transition. Like, he's everything I want in a, in a role player type. So I would love, 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 love Daquan Jeffries with one of those with like 42, the pick, would be really nice. He does have really long arms. Mike, he's not a little chubby, is he? Oh, God, uh uh-oh. Here it goes. 6'5", 216. I don't know. I I, I pointed out at a lottery party to a couple people, Tobias Harris, that there's this picture of him walking into a Sixers game once, and just like in normal clothes. But when you zoom in to his, where his pants are buttoned, they're like, Pulling wow. really like a we lot. Have, we, we're <laughs> getting enhanced crotch zooming to see how see how tight that waist is. Really good. Well, I don't know. Anyway, this is, continue. This is the best content you can get. Uh, Seventeen. <laughs> I have a guy who people have talked about a lot, so I don't, I don't think I need to talk too much about him. Um, he can only do one thing really well, but that's an important thing. And it's Cam Cam Johnson. He's a six nine. Uh, yeah. Senior from UNC, he's a hell of a shooter. He's probably the best shooter in the draft. Um, I thought about it. Just like he's he's big enough. He's six eight with a six ten wingspan. He's very thin. He transferred from Pitt, 
um, to UNC for his last year. So he's 20, 23. He's over 23 already. So he'll be almost 24 by the time the season starts, I think. Um, but he can shoot on the move. He's not super fast, but he, he he's very fluid as a as a mover. Um, and his shot is just gen- genuinely like elite. He shot 46% from three this year, including like almost, fi- I think, 50% from NBA range. Um, just a next level shooter. And it's like effortless release, like very gorgeous. Runs through screen really well. Runs the floor in transition. UNC's offense, as I mentioned before, with Kobe White. Uh, they played really, really fast. So he's like a perfect fit in that Shamit-esque role of just like finding that wing in transition and just like hitting threes off off the catch from Ben. Um, he has some injuries, con- injury concerns. He's been injured. He wasn't injured last year, but prior to that, he was he was banged up with a like apparently I'm, look, I'm looking right now his left hip and a torn labrum. Um, but he's very thin. He's not a good ball handler. He's a good passer. He's a smart player. I think he, I think he know has a really good sense of spacing. Um, and I think he'll be able to defend enough just by how long he is and he's good hands, but he's really very thin and he can get pushed around pretty easily. If, especially if he's dribbling, he gets bumped off his spot like really, really easily. Um, so I don't, I don't love him, but at 17, uh, that level of shooting, I I think if the Sixers took him at 24, it would be just like totally fine. Like, is it, is it thrilling? No, but like if you get Wayne Ellington at 24, um, with a little more basketball IQ, then I think that's 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 still really good value. Um, I should mention, and I meant to mention this before, you you'll notice that none of the people I've mentioned so far are centers, and so I just didn't rank centers. I just don't think that the Sixers should draft a center at any point in the draft. I think that they already have Jonah Bolden. They there's guys. You know, it, it takes centers a long time to figure things out. Um, they're not going to waste their time on that. If you think Bolden is that guy, then just go with him and then and pick up a, a playable one in, in uh, off of free agency. I don't think you know. There's centers that I like, but I don't, you know, it just guys that can defend one position that can play one position. They're just so like you're not you're never going to play any of these guys with Embiid. Brandon, Brandon Clark is different because I think he can play with Embiid, but guys like Jackson Hayes and you know. Bruno Fernando, like all these guys are just like, there's a bunch of guys who are like, you know, we're okay, but such a replaceable position. I'm totally fine with the backup center behind Embiid being like a journeyman type if it's not Jonah for the rest of the time. So I ranked my top 10 centers, but it doesn't really matter. So I, I kept them off my top 30, which is why you're not hearing any centers listed. God bless you for continuing to mention Jonah Bolt as the, the option. <laughs> you bet. All right. Yeah. Uh, so number 18, I have Ty Jerome, uh, point guard from Virginia. Um, the He's a big point guard, but his wingspan is not great. So he's 6'4 wingspan, even though he's 6'5 and a half. Um, he is slow as shit. Um, we talked to Alan about him, and he compared him to like Grievous Vasquez, which I don't disagree with. Yes. I think he's a smarter, a really smarter, a smarter player than Grievous was. Um, he's an, like an elite shooter. He doesn't need much space. He can shoot off movement. His footwork is incredible. Um, he just thinks the game at a really high level. Uh, for sure, like, how, wh- at what point does a guy with very limited athleticism, like, when is that? When can he stop, you know, producing? I don't know. I just sort of trust him. You know, I trust the brain. I trust the shot. And I think he'll figure it out. He worked enough hard on, hard enough on defense. I don't think he's going to be in for like defense first possessions, but I don't think he's going to kill you because I think I think he's just smart enough to position himself 
and know the playbook and all that stuff. So I believe in it. Um, he's not going to finish above the rim, obviously, but he's he's a really, really good shooter, smart player. And if you watch him play at Virginia, just like always seem to make the right play. Um, so that's 18. 19, I have Cam Reddish. Another guy I was just like, I guess, you know, I guess I believe in the body enough to rank him here. It's certainly lower than everybody else, but it's like I'm not going to leave him <laughs> off the board entirely. So no Cam Reddish. 20 is a guy I had a conversation with young Jake Pavorsky yesterday. And I had oh, him boy. a little bit lower, and then Jake started selling me on him. Uh, it's a guy named Jordan Poole. Did you look up Jordan Poole at all? Uh, he was definitely on my list. Okay. I don't remember. So him he's, a, he's from Michigan. He's a sophomore. Um, he's a 6'5 guard with like a 6'7 wingspan. I thought he was smaller than that, so uh, seeing him measure out that way was, was, was pretty good. I've been negative. I had, okay, Houston, the Houston basketball team, I had a lot of smart money on them winning a, winning a couple games in the tournament last year, not this year, last year. And Jordan Poole hit a ridiculous shot to send him packing. Um, and so I think I've, I had been just resenting Jordan Poole for, for that for a long time and negatively uh, impacting his draft stock in my mind. But I settled down and took a look, and he's just an incredible scorer. Um, he's, his shot is really, really pure. Good shooter. Um, like Jake, Jake made me look at his rotation. The rotation on his shot was very impressive, and, yeah. and you can tell that that's just like legitimate. Um, and so, but he's not just a shooter. He can. He can, He's a really good ball handler. Um, he can get into his shots in, in many different ways. I think. I think we might talk to a lot about this also. Um, can finish around the rim really well. Um, and I. I think that. The book on him is that he's kind of like in the. There's two. There's two sides of him, right? So I think the one side is he could be J.R. Smith. He could be, um, that kind of just gunner type, Jordan Crawford, whatever. Um, but I, I believe in his handle enough to where I think he could be what the ringer also has him listed as, as Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a guy I just right. fucking love um, and have loved for a long time. So I, I believe in him be, being a decent defender um, because he's, he's, long and he's, he's long enough at the point guard position and smart. I think as a long-term play, I don't think the Sixers will take him because I think that you know he's, a, he's not a – his nickname is Swaggy Pool. Um, so, oh, yes. so I just don't think that that's, that, that's in their headspace what, of what they want. Um, it should be. I think he's a pretty good passer. I think he's a, a smarter player than the type of game that he plays would indicate. Um, and I, be, I just believe in him being able to shoot at an NBA level. And, and see, I don't think he's as lead guard as Dinwiddie is, but I think he can score in a similar way. And uh, playing off of Ben Simmons would be a really nice fit for that. Um, so that's 20. I got Kevin Porter Jr. 21. We talked about him. Uh, mm-hmm. Another guy where I'm just like, I guess. I guess I'll rank him here. Like, just guys I'm not excited about, but sort of can't justify turning him down for some other guys. Uh, 22, I have Tyler Hero. Did you look at him? No. Well, I'm sure I did. His name sounds familiar. Yeah. I just don't remember. Kentucky two guard. Um, there, I've been burned by Kentucky two guards before in my ranking of them. Devin Booker, famously. Um, I'm still getting shit for that, uh, and also Jamal Murray. Um, you, you you wouldn't trade uh, Okafor. Well, for that was like Book. months after the draft, and I just assumed I I was hanging on to my evaluation of Devin Booker, <laughs> who, I, who I didn't like. You were doing it for your heart. I, was, I just wanted Okafor yeah. to be better than it was. I never believed in him. You know that. Um, Tyler Hero, freshman. Um, 
Six six, so the thought was he had pretty big size going in, but uh, the wingspan measured out to be only six three and a quarter. Um, he shot ninety four percent from the line this year. Um, good off of like just a pure shooter, uh, not as good as some of the other shooters in the draft, and he didn't shoot as well. He only shot thirty five point five percent from three. Um, Kentucky didn't have too many other shooting options, um, so I think that the defense was focused on him. But he runs around screens well. He's a decent handler. Um, I, I, he's capable of rising up a little bit. I think he's got a nice little floater, um, solid enough passer. Apparently he models his game after Devin Booker. I don't, you know, think he's going to be that good, but I've been wrong before. Um, I think he's going to have to, he works defensively. He's tough defensively, even though he's, he's not that long. Um, I think he's going to be fine as a player. Um, I don't think the six will take him because he, he, you know, has some, work to do but I think he's a smart enough player that uh, he'll eventually be able to become a useful NBA player despite the fact despite his like body's you know weaknesses um, so that's 22 23 I have Romeo Lankford did you look up this guy Indiana hmm I don't remember him yeah so he, he had he had a lot of a lot of hype coming into college he's like he was the Indiana bas- Mr. Basketball um, oh, I did. I did look. I did look at yeah. him. I did so he stayed at home him. in Indiana, yeah. put a lot of pressure on himself, and the team around him just like wasn't that good. Um, he is six six with a six eleven wingspan, sort of like, you know, reminds me of the kinds of two guards that like came into the league, uh, like post Michael. Of like this is the next Michael, like those kinds of guys that like you know, like Harold Miner. Yeah, that kind of thing. And like, uh, I mean, he's not as athletic. Michael Red, not as athletic as Michael. Oh, I wish I love Michael Red. Um, like Deshaun Stevenson, like that kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah. He, Indiana was bad, but he started like icing out his teammates and like playing a lot of hero ball. But he's certainly capable. He had a broken thumb or sprained thumb, something that affected his shot for the whole year, and he started shooting better towards the end of the season, but. Um, really affected a shot. Not a, not a natural shooter to begin with, but shot really, really well around the rim. I think like a, t- a ton of very, very impressive finishes. Um, g- lapses on defense, but has like the skills and body to defend a ton of positions. Um, shifty dribbler, kind of slows, kind of a one-on-one player. Like you watch his tape and you see like every time he gets the ball, it's not like uh, he's going to take a rhythm jumper. He's going to, like, you know, take his time, look his man down, take a few dribbles, and go. I don't think he's a good fit for the Sixers, but there's a chance that he could be very, very good um, if, if the shot comes around and he decides to be uh, locked in on defense. So 23 felt like a fine ranking for him. Um, next guy um, is a guy that I've just loved watching for years, and now he's, uh, he's a four-year senior at Florida State. Uh, big body wing Terrence Mann, um, six six with like a six eight wingspan. Um, in the I've mentioned him in the, on the podcast before because in either, either the combine or the pre draft workouts, one of them, um, he said that uh, he's modeling his game after uh, Tory Craig, which which is really funny. Of like a just that he went Tory Craig went to South Carolina upstate, like came came out of nowhere and is now like a, a, just a 
a very good contributor on on Denver, but it's funny to just think of guys that are like, I'm three years younger than this guy, and I'm modeling my game after him, and he was kind of a scrub for a long time. Um, but he, but that's the level of like high IQ, know your place, like role player stuff that that he has. Um, really good defender, moves well laterally, can switch. I think probably one through four. Um, he is always very in control offensively. Um, he's a smart player. Does, doesn't like ice the ball and and just dribble the air out of it. He keeps him moving. I will say that I want him to be a better shooter than he is. He shot 39% from three this year, which is good, but only in 77 attempts. And and there was not much uh, track record of him doing it before this year, his senior year. But I, I just believe in the shot, and I believe in him, him making those plays. Uh, high character guy, works hard. Um, I just think of like a... He knows he's a role player, and I, I believe in the in the kid that he's going to figure out how to do it. Good passer, just can do enough things to where he's like, I think he's going to be he's going to help a team somewhere, and I'd be happy if the Sixers came away with him at, you know, forty two or one of those spots. Um, twenty five is a guy that I've loved and just tore his ACL working out for Boston. His name is Charles Matthews. Um, look at just Google Charles Matthews body, like just an Adonis. Um, great shoulders. Been thinking about his shoulders for years. Uh, mm, I love a good shoulder. I know you do. How can we not? Um, he's a great kid. He has almost no offensive game, um, but he's the best on-ball defender in the draft. Um, just like next-level stuff. Um, will immediately translate to the NBA. My hope is that the Sixers draft him at 52. Is that that's what the, that's the 54? Um I hope they draft him in 54, put him on a two-way, give him a two-way salary, and then tell him, like, we'll promote you to a regular roster spot next year so he can just heal and, and make, like, a G League, not make a G League salary, which is, like, 30000 um, because he's probably not going to get drafted and not going to be able, not unless he agrees to do a, do a two-way. So that's what I, I, would, I would love. I would love that for us. Um, I, I think he'll, he'll event, he's eventually, he's, he's, like, athletic enough and has enough touch around the rim to that where I think that he's going to be uh, one day he will be able to shoot. Um, but a lot of people don't think that. I think it's worth gambling on the elite skill that he has, which is uh, on-ball defense. 26, I have Admiral Schofield, your guy. There we there go. go. Uh, 27, I have Admiral Schofield's college point guard, whose name is Jordan Bone. So Jordan Bone um, measured out athletically at the combine better than like anybody ever has like some just unbelievable like shuttle run and uh like lane agility and three quarters course like just crazy stuff for, for him to be as athletic as he is um he is let's see so he was he was the fastest lane agility by like a full like almost half a second like it's shocking how fast this guy is um and same with the shuttle run and and uh, close to the in the in the three quarter spin, um, and and combined with the best standing vert of the of the combine at thirty six inches, um, and so the question is why why does he not show that quite as much in the game? Um, I see it a little bit. Jordan Bone, the, the that offense was ran through uh, Grant Williams, who I talked about before. But Jordan Bone is, is really their engine in, in transition, and he's so fast and, and moves so well in transition and can explode off of 
off of one or two feet or pull up off the dribble and, and, and hit shots. He what, what I like about Jordan Bone is that so he's a junior. He's like six one, six two. He'd be he would be a like one, maybe two position defender. So I'm I'm thinking of him as a as like a backup guard, but with with like considering his, his athleticism, I think he could maybe grow into something else. So he so he's in at Tennessee for two years, shot about forty percent from two pointer both seasons, his first freshman sophomore year, and then as a junior, shot fifty two point five percent from two. And that that kind of improvement while raising his free throw rate, he shot eighty three point five percent from from the line. He still he he gave out six assists a game. Like this guy's good, and I know that he's not what people think of as the reason why Tennessee is good, but he's good along with them. Plus the plus I think I believe in the shot and I believe in the and the athletic numbers are just absolutely insane. So I would love to take a shot on Jordan Bone as a two way if that if that if that works out that way. Um, nobody else really has him getting drafted, so um, I just sort of see it. And I watched him enough to see, like, he, he can figure it out. Um, so that's 27. 28 is Terrence Davis. I talked to Elon about this a little bit. Elon didn't buy the uh, – he's, he's he's, Terrence Davis is a two-guard from Ole Miss. 6'4", um, with a 6'9", wingspan. Uh, four-year player. Started slow and then just sort of got better and, and assumed more responsibilities as, as the year went on. Um, the ringer has his uh, comps being Will Barton, Etwan Moore, with a little Dion Waiters. Um, oh boy! Yeah, so I see. I worry that there's some Jonathan Simmons to Terrence Davis. Um, yeah. And that like he can Will Barton and Dion Waiters in the comp is dangerous. Yeah, well, that's that's right up your alley, though, isn't it? Yeah, well, I like it. I'm just saying it's dangerous. Yeah, I think yeah. he is. Uh, so he's he's a very like jittery guy, but he's like thick. He's crazy athletic. Um, and and the shot. Legitimately looks pretty good, uh, and he hits a couple floaters here and there to make you think that he has some touch. I don't know that it's there. I, I don't fully trust it. I'm a little worried about all of it. Um, but he he does enough things. He makes winning plays. He he hustles his ass off. Um, he's a really really good defender on ball and off ball. Um, I I I think there's a chance that he might just be a guy who dominates the G League, <laughs> but. Uh, if he can sort of settle himself down and defend his position and and hit catch and shoot threes, I don't see why there's a reason why he can't if his if his if his mindset is there. But again, I I do worry that there is some there is some uh, Jonathan Simmons to him. And so twenty nine for me is Arizona State forward Zylan Cheatham, um, another four year guy. We talked about him and yeah, we talked pod. about him a little bit. Um, Alon mentioned that he they used him as him and Remy Martin as like press as like uh, I don't forget the term but like to, to like press up front and he's really active uh, hustles his ass off moves really well um, can play a little small ball five the shot isn't quite there yet but I kind of believe in it getting there he's really active on the boards he's a smart passer um, I think he's just like a Trevor Booker type but maybe more athletic Type uh, Trevor Booker was that more athletic when he was younger, but like I think he'll just like find a find a home. I, I just sort of buy him being an NBA player because um, I think he's smart enough to do it, and, he, and his motor is there. You'll notice that these guys that I'm I'm listing are like either guys with a, an outlier skill or work hard on defense and like relentless high IQ type players. These are the kinds of guys I'm I'm looking for. 
I, I don't know if this is a Sixers board so much as it is like an every every team board. There's a guy. There's guys I don't have on here that I think if I was you know the Charlotte Hornets or the Knicks or wh- whoever t- whatever bad team would just like yeah we'll take a shot on a guy like that I wouldn't have for the Sixers because it feels like a waste because they'd be good for their second contract and we we just can't wait for that. But I I almost think like. If you're not showing some level of like actual skill, which is why I don't love Cam Reddish, like right now, like he's not good at anything. There's nothing he's good at on offense. So it's like you're expecting him to just like figure it all out. And sometimes it happens. Sometimes those guys make you look really good. But unless they're like total outliers athletically, like I, I don't know if if, if they're gonna get there. So that's why I'm I'm erring on the side of like high IQ guys that can do something already, um, even if they're they are a little older and have a slightly lower upside or significantly lower upside in some sense. So that's 29.30. I have another Michigan guy, Iggy Brasdikas. So he's a freshman. Um, he is tough as hell. Uh, shot 39% from three. Uh, good on the baseline. Drove baseline a lot. Plays hard on defense. Moves the ball well enough. Like He's a guy that's kind of a jack-of-all-trades master of none, but it plays with a level of intensity that I just like. I just buy. Um I just feel like he's going to find a place in the league. He crashes the boards hard. He's lefty, which I like. Um, he can dunk over guys. He's not crazy athletic, but he's strong enough to dunk through guys. And he's 20, so I believe in it. He's 6'7 with a 6'9 wingspan. Um, can defend multiple positions, can shoot and pass and dribble a little bit. I think he's just going to be like a totally fine role player. And if the Sixers come away with him later on in the draft, I'd be absolutely fine with it. So that's my 30. I don't have a bunch of guys drafted or ranked that um, many, you know, certainly mock drafts have uh, in the first. Uh, Sekou Domboya is like a 19-year-old uh, kid who I don't think is good at anything and is uh, basically living off of Pascal Siakam being really good right now. Um, not every African 6'9 player is Pascal Siakam. Um I didn't rank Rui Hachimura, who I really don't like. I don't think he's good at like anything at all. Uh, he's Gonzaga, played with Brandon Clark, and was on the receiving end of a ton of like very impressive Brandon Clark stuff, but didn't do much to impress me himself. Doesn't play any defense. Uh, Nas Little, uh, another freshman at UNC who had a big reputation coming into college, but like I think he's Derek Williams. Um, I just don't see him impacting the game at a at a high level. Um, but he could, if, I mean, all these guys could figure stuff out and suddenly be good, but I, I just haven't seen it. Kelton Johnson was a freshman at, at UK um, that theoretically, it's like Gary Harris, if you just like kind of put Gary Harris in a suit and just made him like play in like a very boxy suit and like couldn't move around. Um, so I don't really see it with Kelton Johnson. Uh, Casey Akpala. Uh, Mike. Yeah. Mike, did we just do 30 and now we're doing the guys that aren't? Yeah, in the my last 30? one. Casey Akpala, Stanford. People like him. I don't I don't like him. I don't think he's good at anything. He doesn't shoot very well. And then uh, Talon Horton Tucker, who I actually love, but he's one of those guys from Iowa State who uh, just isn't good at anything right now and has a good body, an interesting body. I hope he succeeds, but I don't think in Philly. So those are my guys that I didn't draft. That's my 30. I love this season, baby. Even in a bad draft, I still love all these men very much. So we will talk to you Thursday night. In uh, in since we started the podcast, this is the at least in terms of like this is the lowest the Sixers have ever yeah. picked. You know, last year obviously they went into it with the Bridges pick, and then we had the big trade. So um, you know, could be a uh, a weird night for the Ricky as far as the draft Should goes. Be. You'll have. Uh, 
Yeah. And maybe there will be some other NBA fireworks. So we will talk to you. Uh, we'll do a pod after the draft on Thursday night. And then uh, we're in a full free agency, baby. Full free agency. I'm still, I'll be on draft. I'll be in Summer League. I'm skipping right over free agency and going to Summer League. All right. Yeah, we'll have you reporting from Summer League once again. Um, all right. We'll talk to you Thursday night. Uh, are you done with TTP? Yeah. You know Lickface. Give me three guys. Let's fucking go. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Copying of uppers and downers get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile.